Minute is rated R. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is also rated R. We're going to spend this time discussing the movie in gory detail. And along the road, we will talk about some adult content and use some of our favorite swear words. Two, gal, lam, sap, hai. Consider yourselves warned. Welcome to Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we discuss the Rocky Horror Picture Show one minute at a time. I am one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm one of your other hosts, Leandra. And today we have joining us yet again a very special guest, Eric Deutsch of Escape from New York Minute and Flash Gordon Minute. Yes, I'm oh, still yeah. here. <laughs> oh man, I thought I thought it was Eric, but I guess we have Richard O'Brien with us today. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. I have some questions about why you would cast your uh, your wife at the time as a child in the wedding scene. <laughs> <laughs> she was having the time of her life. She sure was. So, Leandra, you want to take us what through what happened in this minute? No, but I will. Okay. So this is this is a pretty fun and indicative minute of doing the time warp. The Transylvanians continue their dance while Brad and Janet look on with varying reactions. Columbia tap dances and falls, which of course upsets Magenta greatly, who for a brief moment had been swept away into a world where there was just her and her brother Riffraff. <laughs> so the lyrics in this minute are time warp again let's do the time warp again it's just a jump to the left and then a step to the right with your hands on your hips you bring your knees in tight but it's the pelvic thrust that really drives you insane let's do the time warp again let's do the time warp again as i mentioned before there's a tap dance columbia unfortunately falls and then they say let's do the t and that's how this minute ends yeah, before we get into some of the interesting characterization choices in this minute, I wanted to say I really noticed the lighting in the ballroom during this minute. There's a lot of interesting lighting choices. The There's like some weird hanging lamps that have almost like curtain-like shades, I guess, and then there's bulb strings everywhere. When I was first trying to put together kind of an aesthetic for my own personal room, I thought that I was very Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But then <laughs> looking back, I realized that I really just liked Rocky Horror Picture Show enough that I thought the bulb lights and tiki torches and <laughs> and palm trees and random shit everywhere was just, like, good. Yeah. It, I mean, it's very 70s, I guess. <laughs> And you know what they say, Leandra is very 70s. Yeah, they say Leandra's old. They don't say that. <laughs> they do oh, say Le Leandra's <laughs> friends with a bitch. <laughs> uh, so, Eric, what were your thoughts on this minute? Uh, the first thing is, I like how it stands out at the very beginning of the minute. Brad's into it. They, uh, cut, yeah. they, they cut to uh, Janet and Brad and... She's still very much like, you know, what have we stumbled into? And now he's like, hey, all right. Okay, yeah, <laughs> this is cool. Yeah, he is 
again, still really trying to be on board with everything. He's brought his Midwestern manners. <laughs> I, I think that it's even past that. He's keeping time with the music. He's just bopping around. He's being aggressively nerdy. And Janet is just like the polar opposite definition of closed body language. She has her arms wrapped around her purse and gripped to her chest like it's a Bible. And she's just very tense. And she keeps looking at Brad like, no, no. Why are you happy? Please stop. Yeah. And she also gives him the universal sign for let's sneakily take our exit when it's when she wants to start backing out of there. But that happens later. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it's that's another uh, example of her really just not being here for the time warp. Yeah, she definitely is trying to give Brad some context clues. So yeah. tell me more about this tap dance. Well, you know more about the tap dance itself than I do, but I do know that the sounds that are being made by tap shoes are not at all matched up with what's happening on the screen. I thought the same thing. (laughs) Which is something that has frustrated Columbia's since the beginning of shadow casting, I'm sure. You are correct. (laughs) So Um, everybody who has to learn that tap dance has to make a decision about whether they're going to match the sounds or the movie. And when people come to me and they say, hey, Leandra, what should I be looking at? How should I do the tap dance? I send them right over to Cosmos Factory, where there's a breakdown of the steps. And if you've taken tap at any point in your life, this is actually relatively easy. And if you haven't, then it will take you a little bit longer. The steps that are listed there... They will get you lined up with what is going on visually on the screen. If you want to go with what you hear, then you can really just kind of freestyle that from what I gather. And as we've discussed in previous minutes, Little Nell was, uh, she was kind of recruited because she was doing tap dancing during her job as like a soda jerk Mm -hmm. if that's correct um as a uh, on the side so and according to patricia quinn in the commentary apparently at rehearsal she would always say nell's the name tappins the game which i'm sure never got old at rehearsals it's already (laughs) (laughs) i've heard it once (laughs) yeah um i could tell just by the imitation of little Nell that mud that Patricia Quinn did in that commentary that she found it very annoying and like it just the imitation of her voice she did <laughs> I say so many irritating things on a daily basis if Nell's the name tappens my game was the worst of my offenses I think that the world around me would be so much happier with my existence but alas alack not the case yeah, no, and I I am in no way indicting little Nell. I love to do annoying things to what irritate my <laughs> to irritate my friends and uh, fellow performers. So anyway, I thought that was a fun detail. I also though it's like I think what the movie was going for was like she was spinning so out of control that she could not. She no longer had control over her path, and that's why she ended up hitting the stairs and falling. But that's not really what, like, it really looks like is happening. It looks like she, like, deliberately taps right over to the stairs 
And I can definitely see an argument that that is what happened, at least that that is what her choreography told her to do. But I do okay. like the the motivation of I tried to steal the show and then I done fucked it up. Right. And that also kind of gives an explanation of why Magenta looks at her like, what did you do? This is my favorite song and you made it about you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was going to ask why. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to ask the- you both, you know, I've always been confused by the evil eye they give each other there. I never quite understood what that was about. <laughs> so my opinion... And as I've said before, it's just my opinion. It is the correct one, but you can have a different one if you'd like, (laughs) if you like being wrong. The time warp is clearly the, the official dance of Transylvania. And the time warp song is the song that goes along with the official dance. And Riff and Magenta are singing this song and doing this dance that is culturally significant to them. They are Transylvanians. And then this person who is a human is not an alien comes up, sings a random song about finding somebody that she's, that she starts to date and then does a tap dance and then falls. And it's just embarrassing from a cultural point of view. Hmm. This is absolutely magenta going, this wasn't about you. If it were up to me, I wouldn't have invited you. Yeah, I always interpreted it as some combination of... Well, because when you see Magenta briefly as Columbia starts her tap dance, she's very clearly, like, side-eyeing the whole thing and looking kind of bored almost. So I do think it's partially, like, we don't... What are you doing? This is not about you she's such an attention whore and then also i think a little bit she's like wanting to rub it in her face that she just fell in front of everybody there's definitely a little bit of malicious glee in magenta's yeah come on get your shit together and finish the dance yeah but it could be wrong yeah i mean it's open for interpretation what are your thoughts uh i i leandra i like your explanation i i really never understood what that was about um, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, they Riff Raff and Magenta are happily dancing when she does sing her verse. Um, and I guess it's when she starts doing her tap dancing that Magenta checks out a bit. So maybe. Oh, <laughs> no, that would have been good. But no, as part of what they're doing, but she's not supposed to be dancing and just decides to freestyle because she gets caught up in the moment. And Magenta's like, whoa, whoa, what the hell is this? What, what's going on here? So, I, yeah, that makes sense to me. And it's just such a diva moment. I I definitely can think of like three to 12 people that I know who would do that. Okay, we're in community theater. You can think of a lot more. <laughs> oh, that's why it was a large range. And if you're listening and you think it's about you, it's not, I promise. It is about you. That That's all I had about the tap dance. Did you have any more? Bambi I did want to say that. I wanted to say that, yeah. <laughs> Bambi, what are your thoughts? <laughs> My only other thought was, I don't know if you're, if, if you're familiar uh, with the movie Popeye, the 1980 movie Popeye. Absolutely. Okay, so the, large. The, the, the noises that Columbia is making as she's doing the tap dancing made me think of Shelley Duvall and Popeye. Oh. Is that the one Robin yes, Williams yes. was in? It was so uh, good. 
in my opinion. I I, I, I defend that movie. It, I think that's a good movie. Popeye Menace? <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a, a really strong choice for like season four. I don't think we've locked that one in yet. Yeah, the song Buddy's Large gets stuck in my head all the time for no reason. I'll have to watch it. So, yeah, that's, that's, I haven't seen it, but that's an interesting note. Yeah, she really does just emote very vocally. And I think that Bambi did a really great job of expressing herself in a similar way. Because if, if ever there was a character in the Rocky Horror Picture Show that I've heard described as like a yip yip dog, it was Columbia. Yeah. She has been sent to hell and will remain there for the rest of the recording. No, she misses me. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah. So that's, that's what I had for the tap dance. Well, cool. I have a couple of very specific background notes of just random stuff going on that blink and you'll miss it. Just one of the more ridiculous things that I saw was there's a bronze statue and it's been painted. It's a bronze statue of a hunter with a taxidermied chicken raised above his head on a sword. And I I love the mixed medium, but I don't understand the story it's telling. Perhaps I'm just not very good at art analysis, but it is glorious. Now, some other art that I do understand and love is the Griffin statue. It has a bowler hat on, and I I think that that's pretty swell. Makes him look a little bit more convivial, part of the party. Just looking at the detailed scroll work over the archway to the adjoining room, the crown molding and the baseboards are all hand-chiseled, or at least I would assume as much, because it's very difficult to to imagine somebody having quite the technology in circa 1900 to do something like that not hand uh, not by hand the walls are painted blue and gray with white fluffy clouds and there's chair rail and picture rail on all of the walls because of course that's a good indicator of thoughtful interior design of the turn of the century flanking the doorway are vases filled with, it looks like it's wheat. I don't know if this was to try and further cement that this is in the Midwest or what, but I do love it. Random things that Sue Mary messed up in this. I have the Columbia's top hat that starts out on the ground and you see that Columbia is boogieing on top of the jukebox, dur- uh, doing the time warp as uh, she is just singing along. Riff and Magenta teleport multiple times within this minute from far away to the jukebox to somewhat closer to the jukebox. By the time the tap dance starts, Riff, Magenta, and the top hat are all back at the jukebox. So there's a little bit of... Uh, continuity that I think was lost. Yeah, the continuity errors. These are the kinds of small continuity errors that are really challenging when you're in a shadow cast because the bigger ones, 
you can have some fun with and let everybody knows they're there, but the smaller ones people don't think about and it's a challenge, a problem for you to solve. I think that with the time warp, this is one of those scenes where everybody's busy dancing and having a great time looking at the iconic part of the movie. And you can really do a lot of forgiving of some of these omitted details. But if you're doing perhaps a movie-by-minute podcast, your your ability to forgive is perhaps diminished. That is... Well, and it's not that I'm not forgiving. I know what kind of budget they were working with and what kind of difficulties they were facing. So it, I understand how it happens, but it does. For, for me, like, I would always want, like, even though the audience at a shadow cast is mostly watching the movie and also mostly drunk that I still always want to like do my best. You know what I mean? And yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And Eric, I know that you haven't seen Rocky with a shadow cast yet, but as soon as the world comes back to life, (laughs) if you're ever in the DC area, we will absolutely hook you up with, some free tickets to see our show. Whoa, that would excite my wife to no yeah. end. She would be very happy to hear that. Friends in high places, oh, wow. comp tickets to our to our nice. shadow cast. But seriously, no, it is. I, really I have fun to now. say that uh, it's interesting that you said that most people that are there are watching the movie because, as someone who hasn't been to it, I sort of assume people who are there are people who have seen the movie at least a couple of times, and I'd be more interested in watching the shadow cast to see what goes on there as opposed to the movie. You would be surprised how many people come without ever having seen the movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Tons of people. The other thing, I mean, sometimes people join our cast without ever having seen the movie. (laughs) I've had several people show up and watch the movie for the first time, incredibly drunk, and then go, I'm going to join your cast, and I'm going to play all the roles. And then they show up the next day, and they're sober, and they do really good work. And that's happened a good handful of times in the X number of years that I've been doing Rocky. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've had people just say, like, oh, I was looking for something to do in the area, and I've done some theater. I've never seen the movie, though, so they joined crew. Uh, it's It's... An interesting mix of people. But yeah, even if you're even if you have seen the movie, first of all, it's a beloved movie. It draws attention. Also, depending on where you're sitting, it's a lot easier to watch the screen sometimes than to see what's happening down in front of the screen. So I think that plays into it. I mean, people like half watch you and half watch the screen. And I think that that's one of the cool things about and people who are waiting for you there kelly yeah sorry i got Uh i was just gonna say i got like a little bit of a delay um i was gonna say people are also sometimes looking for cues for callbacks if they're old veterans so they're watching the screen Mm -hmm. i know that when i first started doing rocky i really got excited about watching the movie now that i had an idea of random stuff to look at and there were so many things that even though i'd seen the movie five million thousand times i i just wasn't aware of because your brain kind of uh, washes over some of the uh, some of the smaller details that of course you 
don't get to wash over if you are trying to emulate a character on the screen. Which actually kind of leads me into an interesting thing that I was thinking about newly the last time I saw this this part of the movie. There's the annual Transylvanian Convention banner that is up during this. So we know that this is the annual Transylvanian Convention, but I don't think that at any point in the movie, they refer to the people there as Transylvanians. I know that in the credits, uh, they're called Transylvanians, but I don't know that that is something that would be fundamentally clear to, uh, to somebody who hasn't seen the movie multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the banner says that it's the Transylvanian Convention, but yeah, they the only thing they get called by anybody is unconventional conventionalists, which could refer to Americans as well as Transylvanians. I think that's a catch-all for, for many, many types of people. Speaking and, uh, of, of all of uh, these people... Um, can't pass up the chance to talk about the during the uh, pelvic thrust lyric of this particular minute, the daisy chain that is going on here, as they're all pelvic thrusting. Uh, particularly what stands out to me is, uh, as I mentioned, one of the two members that stood out most to me is the very short woman. And there's a shot for a couple of seconds where she's right in the middle of the shot with three of them in front of her, three behind her, as they're all thrusting back and forth uh, behind, uh, in front of and behind each other. And it's just, you know, you got the different heights and the different ages and the different hairstyles and the different hats and uh, just a really cool shot. Yeah. And I, I think that even though Sue Blaine was super disappointed in herself for how the Transylvanian costumes turned out, I I completely disagree, and I like that not only are the costumes not fully uniform, but the choreography isn't uniform even. Mm. Uh, all of the Transylvanians have their arms outstretched. Some of them have their, uh, their hands forward or up, or sometimes they're super jazz-handed, or they're kind of limp, and their feet are all different widths apart. And something about that just really adds to the the tone for me these are not all accomplished dancers these are all people who are at an annual transylvanian convention yeah so it, I do it, love it, that. Absolutely. yeah it makes me think of as i said as of the junior high school dances when i first learned this song with you know 113 year olds dancing <laughs> it, it, it was not all in unison <laughs> yeah and then when they they did the most recent Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp Again, which was, uh, it was the Fox, I guess that they called it a reboot, sort of. The one thing that I think that they really lost in that reproduction of the experience is they made the time warp far too complicated. It became something that nobody could just pick up. And it was far too pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I that so as I've said on the show before, I only got partway through the first song and I couldn't do it. So it may be a wonderful movie. Don't come for me <laughs> if you love it. I, I'm not criticizing it, but I have heard that everything's way too pretty, and I think that's the hard thing when people try to remake cult classics. They often lose what makes something campy and fun. You you can't 
manufacture camp, you know? I mean, I think it's safe to say that you heard it here first. Kelly preferred the Glee version. <laughs> I did. What? I did. Now, I have only seen a couple of the uh, Glee numbers. Those. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, man, I got you. No, I haven't. I've only seen a couple of the Glee numbers. They were truly torturous for me. I'm sorry, Glee fans. It's not the kind of thing that was really made for network television, is it? I mean, depends on the network, I assume. Well, I guess that's true. Skinamax. So I know I've talked about my favorite Transylvanian being Fran Fullenwider, but my first favorite, the one that I thought was just absolutely the prettiest, was Imogene Clare. And she's the one with the big black bouffant, and she's got the white gloves and the gray, uh, gray com- uh, not cummerbund vest. And she is just absolutely on point, on fleek, on whatever the kids are calling that these days. She has drawn on. I'm pretty sure that's it. You got point it. Point and <laughs> I'm really cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I am yeah. hip. So thank you. <laughs> Um, to all of our our youthful listeners, you could also just tell me what I should have said, and then I will correct myself later, because I like learning new things. But she is gorgeous and really well put together. She's got those drawn-on black eyebrows. She's got a beauty mark, and she just, she looks like Sue Blaine's kind of initial vision of what the Transylvanians would look like if they were in a black and white film. And I always loved that, but I couldn't get my hair to do that. So I was like, eh, not really worth it. <laughs> I mean, Fran Fullenwater has some pretty amazing hair. Oh, she too. does. Yeah. Maybe I should get a perm. You know what? A perm is always a good no. decision. <laughs> so did you have any other notes, Eric? For this I, I did have one. Um, I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I wanted to reveal this story. So um, as I, as I, said I had only I've only seen this movie uh twice all the way through and after the first time I saw it I went and I took out the soundtrack from my local library and I uh I taped it so that I could have the soundtrack and I listened to it all over and over and over again and so that's when also I was deciphering uh the lyrics to the time warp so that second time when I was watching it with a couple of friends and I was able to sing along with it when it played on the TV but my friends were like, wow, how, you know, you said you only saw this movie once before. How do you know the words to these songs? And I was too embarrassed to admit that I was sitting around deciphering the lyrics and listening to it over and over again. So I just was like, oh, I, I don't know. I just, I just remember that it really stood out that one time I watched it. The, the song just really stood out. So I'm, I'm here to admit now, 30 years later, uh, what the true uh, what the true case was. Um <laughs> And I, I just, you know, I, I think the reason that this song stands out for me and probably to a lot of people is it's just it's such a, you know, a fun, wacky, upbeat, fast song as just taken just as a song. But also in the context of the movie, it really lets you know what this movie is. It sets the tone for the insanity and the campiness of the rest of the movie. And it makes me think of that usual thing they do in a lot of the Disney cartoons early on where they'll have that ensemble sh- song like be our be our guest or under the sea where they're really establishing the world of this movie that's introducing lots of various random colorful characters in in that vein and i I think that's why one of the big reasons that it really stands out that's so true and it is a big tonal shift 
isn't it? Yeah. The way that everything up until this point has been sort of aggressively normal. <laughs> until i mean there was a castle but even then it was kind of dark and gloomy even though the choice to make everything up to time warp black and white didn't wasn't what the direction they ended up going it's still there is still like an explosion of color and sound and wackiness when they throw open the doors and of course, if you're kind of thinking about the the hero's journey or the hero's quest, what have you, this very much is kind of a standard uh, first step into a fall from grace and kind of the transformation process. If we're if we're going into kind of a storytelling aspect of this, so I think I have just a couple more notes. They're about Columbia, and first off, the fact that she's perched on top of a jukebox. And if, you, if you're not thinking about it, it doesn't seem like it's that high up off the ground. But I've guest performed with a cast a couple of times as Columbia, where they have a replica of the jukebox. It's wood. And they they had me climb all the way up to the top of it and then jump down. And oh it's when God. I was sitting on that jukebox six feet up in the air that I realized that that's really, really high for somebody that has really shitty knees. Oh, I don't think I could do that. I did because the only thing worse than hurting myself is letting anybody down. So (laughs) I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do it. Hopefully this works out. And it did. So I didn't hurt myself. But that uh, just that point I think is worth noting and then just talking about Columbia's outfit in a little bit more detail is always fun for me. There's so many random pieces to her costuming that I think are just completely bonkers. And she's so shiny and she's so fun to look at. And I feel like she was, if they were trying to have a character who was geared for the target demographic of like, toddlers this would clearly be columbia because she's brightly colored and sparkly and squeaky so (laughs) her bustier has white lining which you can only tell because it slightly lifts up when she spins and she's got this larger than life pink sequined bow tie and it's such a confusing and clashy piece her shorts are kind of like bike shorts except that they have pockets and they're cuffed and they have metallic ribbon on them And I know these things because I made my bustier in shorts and not only are my costume pieces not like marginally screen accurate, they're also way at the top of my list of expensive costume pieces to put together. The the two yards of fabric that I got were a hundred bucks. Yeah. If I can confess something right now, the literally the primary reason I haven't gone into Columbia or talked about going into Columbia yet is because I do not want to make that costume. You are not the only person. person. Yeah, there, there are several <laughs> I people, don't think I could pull it off. Several people that go, oh, Columbia, she's great. I don't have that money or that interest in finding that money. Yeah, I'll do it eventually, but I am not a not a seamstress or somebody who is good with that kind of crafting type thing. And the the money, I mean, you spend a decent amount of money on most of the costumes. 
Besides Janet, maybe. Because yeah. I, I wear cast costumes for her dress and stuff, and then the rest of it, you're just in white underwear. So I'm also not a seamstress, and the fact that I spent 50 bucks a yard on sequined mesh fabric for Columbia means that I've never cut that fabric. I just have it rolled up and basted onto a bustier because I'm so afraid to cut it and mess up and then have $100 worth of scraps of sequin mesh. And I just, I can't do it. And then anytime somebody's like, oh, I'll cut it for you. I go like, no, I don't necessarily trust you. <laughs> so it's just, it's something that's never going to get cut. It's just going to be rolled up and basted onto a corset for the rest of its life. Yeah. I'll probably have to pay somebody to make it for me when I do eventually take that step. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who are willing to take your money and do beautiful work. I am just not one of yeah. them. Oh, no, I was, yeah, that was, that was not one of the options. Oh, good. <laughs> but right. So really the last thing that I wanted to comment on is something that we had touched on a little bit earlier. We see that Columbia and Magenta have that bit of a showdown as they get into the final line. And the Transylvanians on the left of the screen, those are the ones that appear to have the most dance background or maybe they're just the most enthusiasm or chutzpah or what have you. They're doing a locomotive movement to get into formation. And of course, the other <laughs> side is doing like a standard time warpy jumping thingy in order to keep the movement going. Magenta and Columbia are just kind of getting into, into the line. Riff Raff is voguing with his hands to get over to his place. And I love it. I don't know exactly what the motivation was, but it really is best described as Vogan. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you guys think that there is a significance to the positions that Riff, Magenta, and Columbia take in-universe? Or do you think that it's just where they were? Because they seem to get into very deliberate places. I think that they got into the place that the choreographer Rufus told them to get into, whether or not that was part of a a universal reasoning is I think a different question. And I don't think that's the case, but I'd love to be proven wrong. No, I mean, this isn't a question of something we can prove because I sincerely doubt that this has ever been covered anywhere. I'm just I, And of course, the real life explanation is it's what the choreography was, but it's interesting. It, we don't really know the significance of the dance. So it almost, it seems like they're getting into specific places. That's fair. I can appreciate that. Maybe it's um, the grand finale of their big cultural song that has certain specific positions and steps for each dancer and as the main singers of the song they have to assume those positions as the main three that's true and they do have another those three have another choreographed bit in a future minute during the shananas and sort of damocles that is really really silly and seems rehearsed between the three of them too so maybe those two, those three are just like putting together the little dance numbers in the castle <laughs> I would love if this was supposed to be some sort of midsummer kind of 
folk dance thing where everybody <laughs> has to do a very specific thing and somebody's going to die at the end. Like, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you haven't seen Midsummer, I have some I have some spoilers for you. A lot of people die. Yeah. I just saw that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> really? What did you think? Uh, I liked it. That was I, I knew it was supposed to be very messed up, and it absolutely was very messed up, but I liked it. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, w- I love the idea that somebody is listening to this, and then they would have been otherwise watching Midsummer in the first few minutes and being like, I think this is going to turn out fine. It, yeah. <laughs> If you guys don't have anything else, I have just a couple callbacks to go into. I'm excited to hear what you have. Two really big ones I know for this minute are both during Columbia's tap dance. Uh, The first thing is to go two, four, six, eight, show us how you masturbate. Three, five, seven, nine. We know you do it all the time. I think there might be more to that one. Is there, Landra? There is. I, if there is, I can't remember it, but I feel like I've heard other things. The one that uh, that you hear a lot at our cast, at our uh, show, is the conclusion of that is one, two, three, four, dance, you little, you little fucking whore. Eat your heart out, Ann Miller. Who's Ann Miller? I'm Ann Miller. And of course, oh, Ann yeah. Miller is a dancer, singer, actor from the 40s and 50s and was in a fair number of musical films like You Can't Take It With You and Kiss Me, Kate. Yeah, and Ann Miller was the, the Ann Miller stuff was the other one I had. I've also, like, that's a call and response one that people will do a lot out, a lot of. Eat Your Heart Out, Ann Miller is, I believe, part of the, like, script in the Rocky Horror Show. Or at least I hear it on recordings in the Time Warp song. No. At least I don't think so. I've I've seen a fair number of oh, really? showings of it, and either all of them cut that, or well, the Roxy, the Roxy recording has it. Oh, it might just be a Roxy thing then. Okay, it might be. Regardless, it's a. I always assumed that the callback was referencing that specifically, because it's because it's in recordings that I've heard from the show. But yeah, so of course, eat your heart out, Ann Miller. Who the fuck is Ann Miller? Eat me out, Ann Miller. I've heard all that. As I kind of alluded to, that's one way to end the 2468 shows how you masturbate. The the other one that I've seen referenced, at least online, and I've heard a couple of people say it over the years, goes 2468 shows how you masturbate. 3579, we know you do it all the time. 10, 20, 30, 40, we know it makes you really horny. 1, 2, 3, 4, dancey little fucking whore. Or... One, two, three, four, shows how you fuck the floor. Okay. Or one, two, three, four, get up off the fucking floor. Okay. Uh, none of these are my favorite. No, yeah. My favorite, because I like Little Shop, is when I was young and just a bad little kid, my mom <laughs> noticed funny things I did, like shooting puppies with a BB gun, the poison guppies, and when I was done, I found a pussycat and smashed its head, and then my mama said... Let's do the time warp again. Oh and I've never heard that. That's great, though. Oh, that's the one I always do. Oh, as someone who also loves Little Shop, I love that. Well, oh. let, let me take the opportunity to say then, since you mentioned Little Shop, that while I am not someone who can particularly sing very well, so when I was in high school, I, I was in the non-singing plays, I dream if I ever was actually a good singer, if I was ever to become a Broadway actor, there were always two roles that I wanted that I would have wanted to play, and they couldn't be more different. 
we have now just discussed them. One is Seymour Krellborn and one is Riffraff. Honestly, those are <laughs> arguably so the best <laughs> roles in both of these uh, both of these shows. Well, I mean, there's a lot of good options in Little Shop. There's a lot of good options in, in Rocky Horror if it comes to that, I suppose. The, I've seen a fair amount of crossover with Little Shop and Rocky. There's, I've seen a couple of pre-shows or at least pictures of pre-shows of Little Rocky Shop of Horrors. Aww. It's fun. But those yeah. are really all of the callbacks that I had. Again, people are dancing through this, so there's not a whole lot that people are screaming at the time. I do love when you have a Columbia who knows the tap dance and does it super well, and they have the taps on their shoes so you can hear it from the back of the house. They, they do the tap dance, and then they fall, and then there's almost always thunderous applause. If that's all you had, then I think we can wrap this one up. Okay, and let's do that the same way we wrap up all of our shows with now. No. You don't, you don't have, have to go, go home, home, but you can't stay here. here. So, so get, get the, the fuck out. Leander's friends with a bitch. <laughs>